0: Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness, to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Scott again for another episode of Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Today, I have with me Alan Smith. He's the executive director for uh, Saving Innocence, and he is the author of Men Fight for Me. And we're going to dig into that. And it's a spectacular read and a very interesting conversation we're going to have. But first, I want to make sure you do two things. I want to make sure you go to um, brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash events and put your your, uh, email in We're going to be sending out information about our very first event coming this September. You'll want to prepare in advance. It's an epic adventure uh, being held in Montana. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. But you definitely want to be on that mailing list. That's brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash events. And then I want to give a shout out to Loam Coffee. They keep sending me more coffee and it's phenomenal. And it's how I power my brain in the morning. And uh, they're actually an outdoor, like mountain biking company. They kind of, But coffee's coffee, you guys, and they do good with the proceeds that come into their company. So go check them out. Uh, Loam Coffee. It's at loamcoffee.com. That's L-O-A-M. That's dirt. That's really good dirt if you're a mountain biker. Anyway, welcome to the show, Alan. I'm really enthused to have you here.
0: God, it is my privilege to be here. And I love the title, of The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. That that resonates with me. I'm a dad of two kids, a son and a daughter. So I've spoken to a lot of dads over the years about, you know, that issue of being a being a dad.
1: Yeah, you even spoke, speak about it in your book. And that really spoke to me. In fact, you talked about this, uh, I think it was masculinity and we can get into that, but you kind of go through went through this thing with your boy and then other men's boys, and you defined it and you did some things around it. And I came like right after I read that. Guys, you got to read this book, by the way. He's got it behind him, and if you're not seeing this, it's "Men Fight for Me: The Role of Authentic Masculinity and Ending Sexual Exploitation and Trafficking." Uh, Eye opener. But let's let's talk about the masculinity thing because obviously we're we're talking so mostly men and women who care about their men. Um, so I came in my my office because I have a like a place a big one of those sticky notes that goes on the wall when I come up with ideas for brotherhood of fatherhood. And I came up here and I wrote a, a definition of masculinity right after reading that. I'm like, I am going to my office because I have two boys. They're middle, you know, they're they're middle and high schooler, both high schoolers. I actually to go to college. Man, life is fast. And I, I wrote it up there. I can I literally ran in my office, looked at your book, took some notes of things that I really loved. I'm like, I have this conversation with my kids. I'm gonna have this conversation with other men. So, first of all, I don't normally plug a book right from the beginning, but even for that nugget alone which is not really the the main point of the book for that nugget alone totally totally worth the read so <laughs> you are passionate about your kids and i love that and that really drew me to you as well when you when we first spoke you know and then of course reading the, the the book i was like okay this guy gets it like you you just get it and you know the impact of what we have on this earth right now and what i tell the men is that we are commissioned to raise future adults we're not raising kids that's that would be a problem if we raise kids right we're here to raise future adults and how do we do that we talk to them about things and we teach them about things
0: that matter well that's fantastic i appreciate (laughs) i appreciate all that i'm in let's go (laughs) i
1: know i know um but yeah so several things caught my attention Uh, as we were speaking before this uh, and men who followed me for the last two years, or you know, I've kind of dabbled in reading the content and listening. To, uh, I, I have this place in my heart where I really want people to understand the impact of some of the choices they're making, and the not only the impact on them, because we could talk about the impact of um, let's let's say pornography, and I hope that doesn't turn anybody off, but if it does, you should listen longer. Let's the impact of or partaking in pornography on things outside of you, which most people choose not to see. And then um, just just the impact of what we do and then how as men, and, and I would hope leaders are going out and making a difference. And your book is um, really kind of wrapped in that package, really. It, that's my belief. So what led you to re- get into this topic in the first place? Let's hear your story a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, About six years ago, I walked away from my career with a different nonprofit named Young Life. Uh, I know it's all over Texas. Probably a lot of your listeners are in Texas. There's a lot of Young Life there. And after 25 years, it was time for a new challenge and a new change. Um, And I cold called Saving Innocence. Saving Innocence is an 11 year old anti-human trafficking nonprofit organization. We're based in Los Angeles, but don't hold that against us, Texas. And um, but we do train and consult around the country. And um, the the specialty that we have is um, the recovery and the restoration of child victims of sex trafficking. And so uh, my world got turned upside down when I learned, oh, sex trafficking, children, that's in Thailand, right? That's in Cambodia. And, and I learned it's right here, right now in our country in a big, huge way. And so what led me to write the book was as I was learning about all that, uh there's a couple things that became really obvious right away um i'd go to a staff meeting at saving innocence and i'm the only man there well there was one other for a bit and then he he left uh i go to any kind of a training event any kind of an awareness event in a community on a saturday there's almost no men there and and that was kind of bothering me because i also simultaneously was learning the biggest part of this problem is men most of the buyers of sex are men most of the sellers the traffickers are men well, that just was embarrassing almost. I was frustrated, like, I'm a man. This is terrible. What are we doing, guys? And, and then I sat, went to an, an event, one of these events, and my co-author, Jessica, who um, is a survivor herself of trafficking, was speaking on a panel, and next to her was a woman named Rachel. Jessica tells her story in chapter two of the book. Rachel tells her story in chapter three of the book. And it was when Rachel was speaking that day that really uh, kind of lit a fire in me. She was in the middle of telling her trauma and her being trafficked away at college. And, and she said at some point, I could no longer fight for myself. I needed someone to fight for me. And there it was, the light bulb went on, the fire got stoked. I was already in, I was already with Saving Innocence, I already cared about kids and all those things. But now this, the stacking all these things on top of each other, men are the problem. There's almost no men as part of the solution, which by the way is good news, because if you can isolate and define a problem in life, you have a fighting chance of creating a, a solution that'll work if you know what's wrong. So in this case, there's no question. <laughs> We're the problem. Somebody might say, which problem are you talking about? I, I just say, pick one. I, I challenge you to find a problem in this world. It isn't you know, a bunch of idiot men behind it causing it. But in any event, the event of exploitation and trafficking and turning lives upside down, men are the problem. And now I have a survivor on the stage saying, I needed someone to fight for me. And and there is my niche, there is my lane. I'm a man. I've seen things most men haven't seen. I know things most men don't know in this uh, topic, and and so I need to challenge men um, and get as many good men as I can find to to fight for these these kids and young adults, but these these kids that are swept into trafficking and. So that's the title, fight for me, men fight for me. She didn't say I needed men to fight for me, but we added the word men later because we wanted it to show up and people are searching for men's books and men's topics because the target audience is men. Really anybody can read it. A lot of women are loving it and reading it, but um, there is a special emphasis, uh, my male voice challenging men to see things and look at things and, and live differently. Um, so that that's the short version of kind of why we wrote the w- wrote the book and kind of how I got into it. It's a, a call to men. It's a challenge to men.
1: Yeah, and we need to be challenged. And you're right. Like I, you said that, and this little wheel started turning in my head. Is we pretty much are the cause of almost every problem that exists in our society, in our world, and our I mean, in our culture, outside of our culture. The one thing I'm curious about is how you connected like this you wanted to direct it to men but then you put a very very important in my my opinion which was a very important word or or term in the title that really sucked me in and that's authentic masculinity so you could have a love hate with that that polarizing you know masculinity word right now with with the fight against masculinity the fight against you know um just the way we're made, if you will, but um, what what part of you and where did this come from where you're like, let's talk about the role of authentic masculinity in you know, fixing this problem?
0: Yeah. Well, as I said, men are the problem. And, and by the way, I think I heard a stat recently, and I don't know what the study was or what it was. They said 80% of all the problems are caused by men. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I said, so, you know, that probably sounds about right. Might even be a little bit low. But,, um, yeah, the reason the authentic masculinity, men are the problem, and there's a there is a hurtful version. there's a, you know the, the phrase is kicked around as toxic version. Now, what I don't like is there seems to be a, a, a movement that is saying any masculinity is toxic masculinity. And no, 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 that's not what we're saying. We're redefining it. There is a there is a, a poisonous, hurtful, diminishing, oppressive version of masculinity. Men are out there causing a lot of problems. And so I want to um, provide the gift of clarity. You mentioned it earlier. Okay, guys, here's what it means to be a real man and, and teach this to your boys. And you can tweak it around however you want, create a definition. But um, the world is sorely lacking good, strong, healthy men, the kind of men that bring positivity and health, the kind of men that rebuild, they don't tear down, the kind of men that liberate, they don't oppress, the kind of men that take responsibility for actions. That That's the version of authentic masculinity, the kind of... The way masculinity was supposed to and probably was in some yesteryear back in our country, in our world, uh, men were probably stronger, more powerful, more more helpful, more productive. And uh, it, there's a watered down diminished version that is causing hurt and pain everywhere and and, there, and it is important to notice that. If, if there's a version of man that's physically actively causing these problems. Okay, guilty as charged for for whoever's in the middle of that. We got to talk to them. But then there's also a version of men out there that are, they're not actively going down that road of hurting people. They're just looking the other way. They're passively allowing it to happen. And so my message in this book and in these conversations isn't to the small percentage of men that are buying sex and hurting children. Most men aren't doing that. My message is to all men. This is on all of us. We have all contributed to the exploitive culture, the exploitive society in which enables trafficking and enables pornography and enables all the other versions of pain and suffering. We've all contributed either by our actions or by our inactions. We all have to step up and stand up and take part of the solution.
1: Hey, guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. But I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me in two cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per- personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy. But go to the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast super simple for you for your business send it to your boss send it to your friends it will revolutionize workflow the link is in the podcast notes and if you want to support the brotherhood of fatherhood this is a great way wow that is really good (laughs) really really concise talk about masculinity, this toxic masculinity, and the, the kind of, in my mind, the perversion of what it means to be strong and have strength and and the, some of the attributes that naturally come with as a man and um, what that means in our society. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like a lot of times we ignore the saying, if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I, I really kind of feel that way a little bit in this in this and in, in this topic and it, it quite i'm going to be very honest the last 3 weeks or whatever i've been reading the book i read it every single morning and um, you know i i read it read as much as i can in the time allotment i have and the whole time i read this it's what am i going to do like because if i'm not doing something i'm doing i'm 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 actually hurting <laughs> i know that's kind of harsh but i really do believe it when we have a, a topic and a, and something that ha- that's happening that's so atrocious, and if you want to really see the underbelly, get this book because you'll read stories directly out of women's uh, mouths and men. You know, you 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 talk about with a lot of men in this area as well that um you, you probably have no idea, and you know the movies will portray it in in a way, and you think well the movies are over exaggerating, and then I'm like I'm not quite sure that they are. If anything. They're under underselling how blatantly and how um how much this has permeated the culture and the and the the, the United States as, as a whole. Uh so you know, I, I I guess my whole thing is is like, what do we do? What first of all, what problems are stemming from this? And let's define, let's define um sexual exploitation and and sex trafficking and, and all of these things. So guys really understand what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the reason why we we carefully wrote that tagline of the book, I mean, and there was a lot of different versions and no, that's not quite right. Now, let's add that. Let's take that away. It's kind of a mouthful, but sexual exploitation and trafficking they are not necessarily one and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about human trafficking or sex trafficking, that's the and I say it in the book, it's the worst example of men gone wrong. We're we're talking about something bigger than sex trafficking and human trafficking. We're talking about the exploitation of and the demeaning of mostly women and children, and men too, but my my voice, my lane is speaking to men about how they're objectifying women and children. Exploitation, there's an exploitive soil in which weeds are growing out of, and one of those big ugly weeds is human trafficking, but there are other weeds that are growing out of. Um, The federal definition of trafficking includes three important words, force, fraud, or coercion. If you can identify those things, basically compelling someone to do something they don't want to do, have sex with somebody, some version of sex, that's sex trafficking, there's also labor trafficking. Um, And you're using it by means of force, fraud or coercion, it's usually kind of a mixture of two or three of those all at the same time. And when I say force, we're not talking about, you know, graffiti on the freeway, we're not talking about, you know, uh, somebody selling imitation shirts or wristwatches, you know, this, that's not the crime we're talking about. We're talking about modern day slavery, forcing someone, compelling them. They don't have a choice. That might be a mistake. Oh, they're choosing this. No, they're not. They, they, they are being forced to perform sex acts. And what, once a month, once a week, once a day? Uh, well, one of our dear survivors in there says she was forced at 11 years old to have sleep with between seven and 15 men every single night. That was her force. Uh, she said, by the age of 12, I'd already been raped 4,000 times. Oh you start doing that math and uh you can get pretty riled up um and she was in that life for another 4 years after that time force yeah there's force if they don't do what they are required to do they will be beaten they will be possibly kept in dog cages they will be waterboarded which is now a war crime um all up right up to the point in time where they can lose their life i t- telling you earlier scott that in this last year at my work with Saving Innocence, uh, we probably lost about a dozen of our kids that we've been serving. There've been a couple, I don't know, they may have made the national news. One got killed, murdered, and thrown on the side of the freeway down here in Los Angeles about a month ago. Two other got two others got murdered at a party. Uh, another one was found dead at a bus stop uh, in such a way, I won't describe it here, that says that she was experiencing sexual abuse and trauma right up to her last breath so this is the reality that is existing in our country we're not talking about some foreign and distant land it's right here it's right now the united states is the biggest consumer and producer of, of the sex industry so it only makes sense that it's right here and they're preying on and that's an important word predators there are predators out there every child is at risk and you might think i, I have a, a great home and i i protect my kids and i'm sure you do and i hope you do whoever's out there listening uh, if your child is old enough to have a social media account, Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, and all the different things, um, FBI says there's 900,000 predators at any given time online searching, initiating conversations with a different profile picture and a different, you know, they're, they're masquerading as somebody else, luring people into conversations, and they just go down this dark path. So it's an ugly, dark crime. And we are guilty, if not actively participating. We are guilty in passively allowing it to happen. This is happening, this is a fact, it's happening. And it's happening under our noses, it's happening on my watch, maybe not to my kids, in my community, in my neighborhood, it's happening in all 50 states. We actually did some work in the state of Texas about a couple of years ago. The Texas governor's office asked us to come and consult and train. We moved there for a year and a half, uh, one of our staff members and we went different, uh, different members of our staff went there and trained all the major cities, uh, you know, in Texas, uh, from the judicial system and the courts and the law enforcement to the nonprofits, on what to look for and how we do what we do, and the state of Texas said they estimated that there was ninety thousand children being trafficked in Texas. Believe it. Now, there's a lot of in the news about the southern border and the flood that's coming over the southern border. This, this is not who we're talking about. We're talking about U.S. born American citizens. Well, that, talking about kids in your school districts.
1: That's what I wanted to kind of tap into next because I have this story where I was actually um, running a a call a call center, a phone call center, and a sales team. And I had a girl recommended. She came in, and she told me her story. She's like, "Oh, I'm from Vietnam. My family came in." Um, and <clears throat> the story was interesting. And I hired her, and she worked. But she would she would leave on Thursdays and be flown other places. And then she would come back and start working on Mondays. And it was really odd behavior. And she only lasted a few months. And um, I I found out later, someone informed me that she was in a lot of adult films. No, idea. I had no idea. And I started to kind of piece this together, like coming over from another country and, and the odd behavior and the, all of a sudden I've got to go, I've got to fly out. I've got to do this thing. Um, and so really in my head, I'm like, it's, it's, it's p- taking advantage of people wanting to immigrate and maybe like holding them captive. Like you, this is what you've got to do. You got to pay off your debts. That's what went on in my mind. And then when I read the book, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! That's not where the story ends. And that's what you're talking about. What I want men to hear, especially girl dads, is um, I was telling you earlier, girl dads are passionate. And I think this is a there's a really good reason. You have this life in front of you and you see all the things happening you're like i've got to protect her with everything that i am and everything I, I have and i've got to teach her and but this is something i think almost every man girl dad would say it's not going to be an issue for me but then i read a story right at the beginning of the book and i'm like oh ouch like this is close to home so let's talk about who the who some of these victims are and they're not always a lot of times they are from impoverished homes yeah. broken homes but not always
0: No, uh, and and I'm a girl dad. As I mentioned earlier, I think I said I have a son and a daughter, (laughs) and that's a driving force for me. Uh, I've certainly accumulated some experience and some knowledge on the topic. And there are people out there that have uh, introduced me as an expert. I don't, I don't, that's not how I function. That's not how I make decisions. That's not how I live in that space. Uh, The experts are the lived experience experts who have been through it, which I haven't, uh, but I'm a dad with a daughter. And a father's love um, is powerful, and that's how I that's how I govern saving innocence of my daily life, and so I resonate with those girl dads. Um, the The majority of the kids that we see, average age of entry is about twelve. The youngest kiddo that we uh, have been taking care of, uh, we met her when she turns at seven years old. She was seven. Um, Traffic from three, four, five and six. And then we met her at seven and now we're walking with her. So you just, okay, we're, we're blowing your mind out here. I can see, Scott, I can see your eyes are getting big. And that's exactly what we want you and everyone else to say, whoa, okay, tell me more about this, what's happening. Um, so the average age of entry is around 12 or 13 years old, you know, as a fifth grader, maybe a sixth grader. And um, as I mentioned earlier, these are US born American citizens. Now, the majority of those kids, the, the predators are preying on vulnerabilities. And so those that are most vulnerable are those that have experienced uh, a traumatic childhood already before the trafficker entered. They're the most vulnerable, they're the most available. By the time we meet these kids, a great percentage of them are already in the foster care system. And and that child hasn't seen a good example of of a healthy male in their life. It just doesn't exist. So there's nothing, when someone comes in with bad intentions, they don't necessarily know the difference. They can't spot it. And yet they still want, love and attention and protection. And this trafficker is preying on all those things. But as you mentioned, that that the majority, that's the biggest percentage of the kids that we're taking care of that are trafficked. But also, it would be a big mistake for parents to sit in suburbia thinking, I have this cute little home. I got two kids and a dog and a, and a porch. We go on vacation. Like, great. That's a great life that you might have. Your kids are vulnerable and available in ways you never thought of. Like we mentioned earlier, the social media piece is a massive recruiter. It's been called the 21st century brothel. They're predators online, building relationships with whoever will listen. And next thing you know, they coerce them down a, a path all under your nose. These are kids in your neighborhood you would never expect. And the buyers of sex is the guy next door. Mm. It's it's the dentist. It's the little league coach. It's it's the pastor. It's the cop. It's it's your friend. I guarantee men who are listening to this podcast, you know, people mm-hmm. that have bought sex, you just might not know it. Uh, we go into in chapter three, this, this is what really uh, grabbed a hold of me. And, and you referenced earlier, I think um, this woman, Rachel, who said, I need someone to fight for me, came from a great two parent household, 4.0 student. You know, star on the on the soccer team, went away to college. Right now, she sounds just like my daughter. Went away to college. A dad who loved her. Parents intact. Went on family vacations. Celebrated birthdays and Christmas. Had all the things. Got the the tutor and the coach special lessons when they needed them. And a, a, a fraudulent modeling agency guy showed up in a three piece suit with a business card, and uh, recruited her to be one on his modeling agent, Got her a paid gig, an actual gig. All the cameras, all the lights. This was legit. Think they went to New York City one time and had a photo shoot. And so she signed on to the agency. And as soon as she did and gave her social security number and her home address where she lived here in, in LA, um, her roommate's address where she lived, an apartment at college. Now the trafficker says, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go in that car over there and have sex with that guy for there. He's already paid me the money. Say, what are you talking about? Well, don't let anybody get hurt. And he shows a parent's address and the address of her roommate. And now here's a, not a gullible, not an immature, this is a 20-year-old woman with a great life so far, the childhood everyone dreamed of in her words. And now she's stuck in this spot of, if I don't do what this man's telling me to do, my parents are gonna get killed and they will. They, they, these aren't empty promises, as we mentioned earlier. Um, they, they enact their uh, desires with lethal force if necessary, and they don't think twice about it. So, yeah, I mean, there are more kids vulnerable that are coming from adverse childhoods, but uh, all of our kids are at risk in this uh, exploitation, this exploitive culture that we're living in.
1: Well, you talked about the numbers, the numbers of people, individuals being exploited. And let's be clear, it's mostly women yeah. being perpetrated by mostly men. And yeah. there there are some outliers there. We, we can't deny that. There are some boys that are trafficked from, for sure, there are some women who who are traffickers, um, but the the majority of the statistics say it's a man issue Now and and, and the women are the uh, are, are, are the uh, the ones being abused and trafficked and threatened. So I was it was really like look I I managed a, a, a treatment home, a group home for kids between uh, 10 and 14 right out of college, I had a degree in psychology and I managed this home and these kids were, what I would say, likely the perfect target for sex trafficking for this, for this industry. And, and likely some of them got into that. They were from broken homes, they had all sorts of past abuse. Um, you know, and a lot of them, you could tell, were just looking to be accepted. And I bet that has a big role in all of this.
0: You know, there's a very powerful human need, regardless of the age you are, regardless of what your background is, a a desire to need to be loved and to be known and and cared for. Um, So these kids that have been denied that early on in their life, and then they got stuck in the foster system to, quote, protect them, And now the first person that comes in and communicates, I love you, I want to care for you, we're going to have a life together, I'm going to protect you. Those are things that child is longing to hear. And so if she's 12 or 22 or 42 or 62, we all want someone to care about us and love us and notice us and and be with us and all those things. She just can't tell the difference. And oftentimes it looks really good and it is really good in the beginning. There's a grooming process, a gradual expanding of boundaries, a gradual sucking in, a gradual isolation from friends and other people that might, um, you know, see what's going on. And uh, before long, that child and that young woman mostly uh, is in a place, they're not sure how they got there and they have no idea how to get out. And oftentimes there's no one even looking for them. It says the life expectancy once a child enters, this life is about seven years. Wow! If if they're not retrieved and brought out, you know, some of the work we're doing at Saving Innocence and other places, um and we're seeing it played out like i I think i said earlier we've we've lost a dozen kids in the last year um because of this lifestyle so it's it's really tragic
1: it's very tragic and i i just really want to reiterate the susceptibility of the every day normal person through social media which we all know and we all think we have protections in place you know like i think we all like well i look at my kid's phone and i and i but if you really think about it, that is nearly impossible to follow really what's happening. If, if a child wants to hide things, and I've talked to a few experts that have a lot of really, really great tools and, and ideas and, and ways to prevent your kid from falling into some of these things. But there's only so long and so much contact you have. Your kids go to school. They go out in the community. They're exposed to other friends who may not have those protections in place. I want it to be very clear that, that, that you are men Girl dads, you are not out of risk's way for this happening to your daughter.
0: You know, it's it's sort of like if there was a, a big chemical spill, you know, in your town or something, and it went up into the air. Like, you can't protect yourself. It's in the air that you're breathing. Mm-hmm. You might stay inside and you limit it, but it's still there, you still have to breathe. And this exploitive culture, it's in the song lyrics, it's in the media messaging, it's in the TV shows and movies. You gotta look, okay, what am I allowing in my house? you know do we have hbo is that something we subscribe to well, what's what's coming on what's coming on those channels especially late at night what's on my son or daughter's iTunes? what songs are they accumulated that i don't know what are you need to know those things dad um, you need to be vigilant especially a girl dad you, you need to be vigilant and what, what i what i've said a lot of times to dads is um take an interest an actual genuine interest in what your kids are into. Ask a lot of questions, watch their show with them. They might be watching some show. I don't even know what the title would be, but some show you would have no idea, no desire to actually watch, and you might just tune out, look at your phone or do something else. No, sit there and watch that show. And I think the biggest, most important thing that a dad can do, right? The brotherhood of fatherhood, okay, fathers, sit down and interpret life for your children at an age appropriate level. Sit in the couch, now we have the technology, every TV you can pause it. Like when I was growing up, you couldn't pause your TV. <laughs> if you missed a TV show, it was gone. You never saw it again. So now you can pause your TV and say, hey, check out. Did you see what happened to that to that girl and the thing? Um, what do you think about that? Did you see what did you see the way that guy just treated uh, his girlfriend? And maybe it was a good example, or a poor example. Like, what would you see? Well, uh, here's what I saw. Hit play again. Watch it again. I- interpret life. Interpret the messages. Give them an alternative view of healthy relationships. They're watching you. Dads, your daughters are watching how you treat women, how you talk to the waitress in the restaurant. They're watching how you treat and talk to your wife. They're watching, are you cold and abrasive? Are you angry? Are you warm and inclusive? Does your wife feel loved in the presence of your children? All of these things are going to lead up to who your daughter's future boyfriend is and what's acceptable and expected, what she could expect from the world, her future husband. Your grandchildren are hanging in the balance, man, because your daughters and your sons are going to learn how to love their spouse and pick their spouse based on what they see from you. And it's going to go down that whatever path that is.
1: Yeah, it reminds me, um, we've been pretty diligent with our kids and definitely not diligent enough. My wife and I talk about this all the time and they've always apparently i'm so out of the loop but they play these video games on their really? machines and they're connected to the internet yeah. we don't allow them to have those internet connections when they're playing games they're like i'm so limited i can't play with other people i'm like when when those friends of yours play online are they talking and conversing with other people they're playing with they're like yeah I'm like do they know who those people are like no i'm like i don't care I don't care. You can play by yourself or you can have a friend over and play. I don't care. You're not going to have a, a stranger is not going to have access to you. Now, the only way that I would change that is if I were willing to sit next to him and play, have my headphones on and be involved. And that's the only time it took place because then I'm immersed in it and yeah. I can use that as a teaching experience. There's always teaching experiences like, whoa, 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 pause game, uh, unite offline. Let's talk about what just happened there because that's great exposure. Under very controlled, you know, <laughs> in instances. But I'm not interested in playing games, so I'm like, I'm not even going there. But the the whole point here is that you will be unpopular for decisions you make on behalf of your kids in these circumstances. Man up and deal with it.
0: I remember that technology first came out years ago. My son was, you know, in junior high, I think, and around that age, maybe sixth grade, and he was playing video games and had his headphones on. It's like, what, what's happening? It's like who, who, what what? You know, I, I was late to the party. It's like, no, 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 no. You, we got some you're in some massive game room with people from all over the world saying what? To no. So that, that was a quick no. And you know, my encouragement to dads are um, between you and your wife, you you guys are in charge. Like that that cell phone that your kid has, that's actually your phone. You're paying for it. That means you get to look at it and inspect it anytime, or he doesn't get to have it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. It's your phone. It's not his phone. Well, it's an invasion of their rights. No, it's not. It's your phone. <laughs> it's yeah. your right to look at it. Yeah. And so many parents and especially dads, they've abdicated that that role and that responsibility. They stepped out of that. They're sort of letting the internet raise their kid. And uh, that's why the world is so upside down right now. There's a lack of healthy, positive, authentic role model, male leadership that can lead their sons and their daughters in a healthy, positive way. And, and they're left defenseless to the media messaging and the song lyrics and the video games to get their cues on sexuality, get their cues on life and uh, who they're supposed to be.
1: 100%, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it's a changing world and you really have to be in very um, intimately involved in everything that they do. Take, you said it, take great interest in what they're interested in. Because that's really the ticket to understanding and seeing everything that's going on, and then be okay being the bad guy. I'm okay being the bad guy, and I'll explain. It doesn't it doesn't have to stick, but later in life, when they see someone else a victim of it, they'll be like, "Oh, you know, there's a lesson there. It's okay to be the bad guy if that bad guy is protecting me." And and it, when I say bad guy, you're actually being the good guy. You just right. your kids, you're the bad guy. So I wanna I wanna touch before we run out of time. I do want to touch on pornography because uh, so many men I talk to think that pornography is, um, is victimless and it's innocent and it's fine. It's, you know, it's, it's, we, we need to legalize, um, you know, maybe, uh, what the selling of sex and all of these things that some of the, some of the current administration are pushing, but really I want to talk about pornography because I want to put it in a different light. This isn't, we're not going to talk from a moral. Standard, other than or or is that how I want to say it, Alan? We're not going to talk from a like a faith-based standard. We're going to talk about a moral, like higher-level standard, like a like what effect it has on these issues that you're talking about. So I want you to talk about that again, men. If you are feeling convicted, like good, like you need to understand the implications of everything that you do.
0: Uh, Oh, I can. I have a, I have a, a great clarity on the dangers of pornography since my work here with Saving Innocence. And that is we've had survivors of trafficking that are, were actually trafficked, forced to show up in a motel room on a movie set, get raped over and over again. Somebody filmed it and it's now on a, a pornography channel. And one survivor says, I quote her in the book, every time somebody watches that, there's millions of views on it, they're watching me being raped. Okay, uh, I also have a friend who just spent the last five years creating a uh, an amazing documentary it's called Beyond Fantasy. Look for it when it comes out. They're in the middle of negotiating with who's going to buy it and how they're going to distribute it. Blah, blah blah. So when it comes out, go see it. And he told me something chilling. He interviewed everybody from top to bottom in the porn industry: directors, producers, actors, the whole thing. And he came back to me and he said, "Here's what I learned: not not some." not many but most of the women you see portrayed in pornography are being coerced in some fashion went on to describe it like they they don't want to be there things got changed in the middle of it they couldn't get out of it so what you have is a whole bunch of non-consensual sex either by actual trafficked victims being out and out raped or a little more subtle version of coercion by the people on the screen now yeah i bet you have some lawyers listening right now and i'm not one of them but i'm pretty sure that non-consensual sex is called rape so guys i, I don't know if this is on video you're looking at me i'm not looking at you <laughs> look me in the eye men are we seriously going to sit after hours on our computer or our phone and take some kind of pleasure in watching somebody get raped is is, is that what we come down to we're, we're going to sit somewhere and pardon my crass, pleasure ourselves at somebody being raped, they're being raped. They don't want to be there. That means they're being raped. And now the problem with all of that, uh, the many problems, the one problem is there's no there's no alarm, there's no button or indicator on the porn video that lets you know that the people there are totally consensual, they're adults under their free will, they want to do it. There's no way of knowing which are there being raped against their will and which are there being through their own free choice. And I know there are some porn actors that would say, I'm doing this for my own choice of so how I make money. OK, that's another argument. That's a different podcast. But <laughs> I'm telling you, for the, the vast majority, don't want to be there. They're being coerced and in some cases out and out raped. Well, I don't know, fellas. It hasn't been something that I have struggled with in my life. But I can tell you if that was a temptation for me, that just and that's just a wet blanket on it. Mm-hmm. I can't sit there in good conscience and monetize the rape of vulnerable people. If, if you're paying for some kind of a service, you're absolutely funding the rape of other people. If you're not paying for it because it's some other version, they're monetizing your clicks and your eyeballs. They're selling advertising. They're making money off you watching people getting raped. Like, fellas, we got to be better than that. We have to be better than that. And simply not to participate in all these versions of exploitation and sexual assault is not good enough. We need men to step up, to rise up and say, no more, not on my watch. This isn't the world I wanna leave for my children and my grandchildren, and be part of the active solution of ending all this egregious abuse that's happening in our midst.
1: This episode is brought to you by the men of Alpha Hippie. Alpha Hippie is the premier men's coaching company, helping the men of Brotherhood of Fatherhood step up and be the change they want for themselves and their families. Alpha Hippie is for any man who feels like he's struggling to take action in his life or like he's burned a few too many bridges on his rise to the top. If you're the type of guy who spends all his time reading self-help books, trying to meditate, or consuming endless self-improvement YouTube videos, but nothing is quite landing like you think it should, then Alpha Hippie is for you. If you feel stressed, depressed, stuck, lost, or like you're not living up to your full potential, then Alpha Hippie is the answer for you. In the Alpha Hippie program, you will destroy your limiting beliefs, regain control of your life, and start to live with inspiration and motivation. Alpha Hippie is not one of those sign up and forget about it programs. We all know about those. It's not just watching a bunch of videos from a 20-year-old life coach. It's a program Built by men, for men, we're ready to make a change and delivered by men who've gone through this themselves. That is very important. We have lived in the trenches and understand what it takes to rise up and craft a life worth living. If you're ready to stop making excuses and invest for yourself, then head over to brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Again, that's www.brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to go into next. Is you know, it, one the idea, and I, I've I've lived with this thought for a while, which is it, it's one of the reasons so so anti porn. And if someone disagrees with me, whatever, who cares? But I, you know, this is my voice, right. <laughs> my podcast, my voice. Um, but uh, it, you you are partaking in the the bankrolling, like like Alan said, whether you're paying directly or not it's bankrolling, sex trafficking, and exploitation. There's zero way around it. And yes, we could have the argument about the girl, the porn star that you've seen talking on video about how she loves, she chose it, you you still can't prove that there's not somebody behind the scenes in that. There's so much to unwrap there. But on chapter eight, uh, it's titled Looking in the Mirror, and you kind of go into this roadmap for abolishing sex trafficking. And I think we need to look at it on the level of men listening, you know we all know that this is going let me let me rewind a bit we all know that this is going to take a massive effort and sometimes when we see a massive effort we just like well there's not much i can do one it blows me away that this isn't the topic of the news this isn't the topic that this isn't the the thing that all the celebrities are behind it's insane it's insane. You, Twelve girls, you know, in your your um, organization, died. Twelve in your organization, right? So there's thousands of people. I don't know the number being killed in this in this um, industry, and it's not even an industry they're choosing in this uh, crime, and it's not talked about. That's that to me is insane, and I know there's some deep-rooted reasonings behind that. A lot of people are actually partaking in this. Uh, There's a part in the book that talks about the mass amount of men after like Super Bowl and playoff games, and and that's just a real market. You know, they've been drinking, they've been celebrating, and it's like a whim. It's like, ooh, there's a woman there. Okay, boom, desire go. Um, But but it's not being talked about, which it just it just blows my mind. The but the thing that I don't want men going away from is like, hey, look, I'm I'm not interested in politics where I can change. I'm not interested in going and working for one of these organizations like Alan did. I'm not a police officer. I'm not a lawyer. I don't. There's nothing I can do. I want to I want to move away from that mindset and have you tell us what we
0: can do. Yeah, that's that's the action. I mean. Uh just having a conversation here, there, and everywhere. It's, it's a lot of blah, 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 unless it follows with action. Mm-hmm. And um, we do go into detail in chapter eight. There's kind of a macro and a micro. There's the big picture stuff of things to look for when you're voting for people, you know, those kinds of things. And a kind of a challenge to our society at a societal level, allocate more resources for this, that, and the other. Um, and then there's the micro, and that's why it's called, that chapter is called looking in the mirror. And in concentric circles, we start right now with every man who's listening to this, and every man that hears any kind of a challenge like this to look in the mirror and let's first get our own life, heart, mind and soul in alignment with a non exploitive culture, the hmm. kind of culture that would choke out the weed of trafficking and, and all those kinds of things. And so we we need men to take a take a pause. You know, are, are you dabbling in pornography, which would be abuse imagery of other people? Are, are you dabbling in that you, you got to say no, you got to stop doing that. Are you hanging out with guys on a Friday or any day and suddenly the conversation and the jokes and the memes going around are degrading and demeaning women in any way, shape or form or degrading and demeaning the sexuality in any way, shape or form? You're going to have to be a courageous leader and be a leader in your community of men in your neighborhood and not in a way that ostracizes you from everybody. We want you to stay in relationship with people, but we want you to be a leader and point people in the correct direction and a direction that's bringing health and hope to the world, not the opposite of that. Lead your sons and your daughters, brotherhood of fatherhood. Be Be the role model father for your children. Do it in your house. Grab a couple of buddies and do it with them, with their sons and their daughters. And if we can get enough men just doing that, the circles will begin to overlap one another now that still seems like we're a long way from from home well for sure you can do more man i want you to take some responsibility for this even if you're not actively causing it it's happening in your world it's happening in your community take some responsibility to to be a, a you know solve it in the book, you know, in the back in the appendix, there's here's 12 things you can do today. You can, if you're on social media, you can follow certain organizations, follow Saving Innocence, retweet, reshare things that sound interesting. Suddenly, it's going out through the speed of current technology. The speed of light is going out to a lot of people, little videos and little messages. Do that. Become a financial contributor for a local um anti-human trafficking agency they all need money you can do that from the comfort of your home if you don't have one go to savinginnocence.org but there's there are many in texas we worked in texas look them up tangible items for those that are working the work at christmas time or any what if you found out how many staff members worked at your local anti-trafficking agency there's 10 there's 12 there's 20 whatever it is show up and drop off gift cards for starbucks for all those staff with a note, thank you for doing what you do. I've got to tell you that will mean the world to the people that are living and breathing and dying out there. They're trying their best to help these dear children and adults from being abused some more. There's so many things that you can do. The biggest mistake we could make would be to not do anything because we don't think we can do enough. Right. If we get enough people doing something, then together, we can accomplish big things. And and the goal is the eradication of this. We're not trying to slow down or limit exploitation and traveling, it's gotta go away. And if we can get some strong men in every community to grab onto that and I humbly submit this book, go to fightforme.net, that's where you can find the book. You can find the conversation. There's a YouTube channel, we're interviewing people there. We're putting podcasts like this on our media page. You can re-listen to all the podcasts that Jessica and I are doing, my co-author. Get yourself educated. Step one, get a little more educated and then action. It's time for action. And we all have the power within us to to make big things happen.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And that's one thing I really loved about, about this book is the fact that it's not just exposing the problem. It's really call a call to action. And it's even more important than that. It's a call to action to men, to use what we're naturally given and in the, 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 the uh, innate things that are in us. Use those for good. Use those for change. Use those in a place where it makes a massive difference. And then also protect your family, protect your daughters, protect your, your nieces, protect your loved ones, be aware of what's going on. Awareness is one thing. We all we all think we're doing good by being aware. And is it helpful? Yes, but we got to take action even if it's small. I even love, like, I love the idea of just in giving something to the people who are giving yeah. so that they get a little wind under their feet. They're just like, oh, people are recognizing people know because that's just going to give them more steam to push and continue through even those really hard times when they may lose a girl or two, or they they may see death and destruction and murder, and these things happen. So I really, really appreciate that about your book. I appreciate so many things about this book, like literally, it goes right into masculinity, it goes right into how we should be raising our kids and the things, conversations that we should be having. It has, it calls to action what we need to do. And it, it puts a mirror in our face, like you said. It puts a mirror right back on us that we need to look in, and we need to stare at ourselves and, and ask ourselves these really hard questions. And uh, and and uh, that's something I believe in wholeheartedly. Is do the hard right thing, and the hard right thing may be giving up something that you really actually think you enjoy, and maybe you're even addicted to it. It's the it's very hard. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that but it's the right thing. And it's the right thing because this is an epidemic that is way worse than a lot of other things being talked about. So Alan, I, man, I just absolutely appreciate you. I adore the work you're doing and the fact that you brought a man and you're speaking to men to come into this largely female organized, um, organized push to fix this.
0: Uh, I really appreciate you shining your light on this, Scott. And, um, you know, it's, we're 50% on the way for a solution because we know what the problem is. If you know what the problem is, you you can figure out a solution. And the problem is men. Men, that means we're the solution. And um, we can see it go away. You know, I, I hear a lot of, well, in my lifetime, okay, great. Well, that's fine. But it's a 911 emergency tonight. Within a five mile radius of where you're listening to this, there are children being raped and abused tonight. So sure, I'll sign off in my lifetime, but I'm gonna work like we need to end it today. Yeah. and um you know as we're closing out the, the the amazing rachel from the from the stage said i needed someone to fight for me come on men. i got a poster of braveheart and gladiator and rocky right behind me i, know, I love it <laughs> my top three i like, made
1: my boys watch them they love them
0: <laughs> yeah and then right next to that's a few good men you can't handle the truth right
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um so man uh, there are vulnerable women and children and boys but there're children out there that desperately need someone to fight for them and who better to do it than you who better to do it than me let's pick up let's pick up the the fight and let's see how many good men we can get to join us and let's make sure that these kids can reclaim their childhood reclaim their humanity we're going to rehumanize them by giving them a chance at life and we need your help that's awesome. Thank you so much, Alan. And thank you guys for listening to this. If you
1: listened all the way through, you are already becoming part of the solution. I think it would be huge to go pick up the book men fight for me. Um, well, there'll be links in the podcast. There'll be links in the YouTube. There'll be links on all of our socials. We'll link his socials. You, you really should go follow. I got to go do that. I was like, Oh my gosh, I haven't followed him. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but, but those are action points you can take. And, um, and then, you know, Look up your local your local industry or your local uh nonprofit or whatever it is out there, organization out there fighting this. I know there's a lot of them (laughs) and it's so funny. As Alan was talking, I I was like, Oh, I know the woman who runs that, and I know the woman who's a spokesperson for that, and I know the woman, like, wait a minute, this is this is absolutely a problem. So thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, make sure you drop a a rating, whatever it is, do all the things. Do Mm just do the things, put put your uh Put your efforts where you're reaping and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you on the next episode.
0: Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.